Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18-plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. So my history with Pride Institute and with the LGBTQ and recovery community runs pretty deep uh, and it runs for a long time. Uh, I went to my first meeting when I was 16 years old and it was a part of the community because I had a uh, really good friend. He's one of my best friends still in high school. Uh, We were a part of a group that were really tight knit, really close, but we all struggled with uh, demons and addictions and together and separately. So uh, he was kind of the first one to say, I can't, you know, and he went and got some help. And I remember it being quite sudden. And uh, I myself had been hospitalized because of um, behavior at school. Uh, They were very concerned. I was very erratic. And the first time it was not against my will, but it was kind of. And then uh, when my friend I just mentioned got help. Uh, then the second time was uh, uh, by my own will. And I think at since a very young age, I've just prayed for something more, like something better, uh, because I knew that it was heading really bad, really fast. So he introduced me. He was 18 already, so he went to Pride. And uh, he took me to my first meeting and I just remember two things. I remember, oh my God, this is a lot of gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender people. I've never been around so many in my life. And two, God, this feels like home. Yeah, that's sort of how I initially got to uh, the community. And then I, what happened is I did pretty well with the meetings. I would hang out at the sober houses. It's like, you know, like kid me just hanging out at these like sober houses and stuff. I absolutely loved it. I love the community aspect. And then I fell in love with somebody, uh, not in the community, but just outside of it. And so I was doing well, sort of. And then I, all my attention, all my energy went to him. Um, and when you're a kid and you, your first love, it's just, it's extremely intense. And uh, um, he, we were together for about a year. He lived with me and my mom for about eight months. And um, I, started with lying my drug addiction picked back up again behind his back um and then it started just saying screw it and doing it in front of him you know and i no matter how comfortable he was with it and it was it was pretty bad i was snorting pills by 15 by 16 i was using heroin intravenously um so it was you know the sneaking and the lying and everything and um So I went to Pride because I knew exactly what it was and I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere else. I um, didn't do it for me. I did it for him. And he partway through, I I underestimated how bad it was because I had never been through withdrawal before. You know, I was spoiled, a spoiled addict. I had resources. and, And so I went through withdrawal for the first time in Pride. I, and it was, absolutely horrible and he ended up breaking up with me in the middle of that stay and uh i was going to leave that day and i like to call it my first adult decision in the world was to not leave that day 
That was my first adult decision because I was dead set on leaving. My heart was completely broken. Um, all the clients there didn't know what to do. <laughs> like I was shattered and then I ended up staying and I was pretty successful. I ended up staying sober for a year and a half and did aftercare. And yeah, that was my first stint with pride. I've since been there three more times. Uh, two of them were in 2014, 2015. And then this last time, which was probably most impactful was in, uh, January of 2020. So that's so interesting that you heard about us through going to an AA meeting. I assume it was one of the meetings we had out here at our pride location. Uh, it was, it was part of the general community that's all everyone talked about and then yeah. and then i also went to the pride meeting as well yeah i, I was hooked already because it, it was such a community and it remains so you know i find that fascinating because i think so many queer people think like that recovery is not possible because our culture is so ingrained in bar life and nightlife right and that's really fascinating that at such a young age you were exposed to people seeking sobriety um, that's right. Interesting. Um, and then my yeah. second question is, is obviously you said you were 16 years old, so you obviously came out at a young age, I'm assuming. I did. I, I, I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, I went to a pretty progressive school in St. Louis Park. They had uh, LGBT meetings there that yeah. you would get taken out of class. And um, so I was and I my tight knit group of friends, we were all like falling in love with each other and falling in love with each other and struggling with our sexuality, you know? So mm -hmm. I had support, I had a support system uh, with my family. It was kind of a different story. Um, but yeah, I, I came out when I was 14. Yeah. It's one of the best things I've ever done. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, sorry, I live like right smack in the city. So in my studio yeah. interference, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was, yeah. And I, was in a lot of like, I think a little bit too serious of relationships at that young age too. Um, but yeah. And my addiction started uh, when I was 10. So also being in recovery at a young age, I was also starting my uh, sort of uh, path and addiction pretty early as well. Um, so uh, the juxtaposition uh, of both was really kind of it was really weird but there are people in this community that have seen me since i was a kid and, wow. and have seen me grown up you know in this community and um i i just i love it to death and i have pride institute to sort of think as uh a pathway to to that to get involved because i just sort of felt like an outsider but pride institute really got me involved and shown me what it was like to basically grow up. You know, um, I had never lived on my own. And my first place I got was that new way, <laughs> you know, and uh, it really, it taught me to grow up. Yeah. So your addiction started at 10. How did that transpire? Well, uh, I come from a family of addicts and alcoholics, and uh, I was raised by my mom, and she struggled a lot with mental health. 
uh, and she had uh, her own demons with addiction, but it was mostly like her just being depressed and in bed and she did her absolute best. And I still stand tall. I still stand true with that. Uh, but it was just too much for her. And so I was neglected a lot. I was left alone. I kind of made my own rules and my dad as well. I'd see him every other weekend and he tried his best, but he was so deep in his alcoholism at the time that, uh, I wasn't really going over there to see him. It was me being in a house by myself, you know, with uh, cigarette butts laying everywhere. And um, I've always kind of been forward thinking. So I was never really scared of trying that. I always thought it like looked cool or whatever. And I was a movie nerd. So it's what you see in the movies. Right. And uh, I had a stepsister, my dad's girlfriend whose house I would go to and she um her mom was also struggling with it so she, she kind of took me in and it was maybe not the best thing for her to do but she was 16 and I was 10 and she said well do you want to smoke some weed and um which looking back in hindsight that's intense but I think she didn't know what to do because she didn't like me because she didn't like my dad and all our parents did was fight. There was a lot of violence. There was just a lot of hate and, you know, so she was struggling as well. And we, we bonded very close, you know, and some of that may be due to substances, but, you know, but her and I were kind of each other's lifeline in that, at that time. And I'm glad it started there sort of under a supervision of someone that actually cared, you know? Uh, and, but that really, I loved it immediately. You know, like you're 10 years old smoking weed. It sounds so you know, like heavy and, but I loved it. And um, I, due to circumstances of me, my mom getting evicted, I had to stop because we moved. And um, when I came back, middle school started and then, you know, middle school and high school, it's just <laughs> a party waiting for you, you know? I had the tight knit groups of friends that I mentioned before, we were uncomfortably close and we, all of our parents knew each other from either selling pills or, you know, all of that. So we were all came from a family of addicts and we had ways to get it. We had no like supervision that was sort of strict. You know, my mom absolutely cared what I did and she knew I was going down the wrong path, but again, she did the best she could. And uh, we all started smoking weed and pretty quickly back then it was the triple C's. <laughs> the, it, it was basically you overdose on cough medicine. It was such a boom of that uh, back in the early 2010s. And then we, and then immediately it was, you know, one person brought this pill, one per person brought the other pill. And uh, we ended up meeting some very shady people and uh, they taught us the ropes and we got it down pretty quickly. And some of us weren't going as far as the others, but me, I pushed it as far as I can go. And heavy drug use at such a young age and um, still working through that. Do you ever feel like maybe any kind of regrets or like, you know, is there any yearning to kind of take back your childhood because you did have to grow up at such a young age? You know, you talked about having to kind of be on your own when you go over to your dad's house and then obviously having these, you know, really adult experiences when maybe some of your peers might not have been. Mm -hmm. um, what does that feel like when you reflect on that now? I guess um, I, as far as I uh, regrets, 
I, I have regrets uh, based on my own behavior, but uh, I don't know what I would be. I know that's what I knew. And I have no idea what I would be if I took anything back, you know, uh, but it was um, since it was what I knew other, other kids and my peers, they looked at my behavior as really like, I would make jokes about, you know, like what, um, you know, at a high school house party and I'd be like, well, you know, I snorted a Xanax, you know, like, and they would be like, Ooh, <laughs> you know, like, and I'd be totally like everyone did it, you know, like we're just kids. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's done its damage, but it also shaped me into sort of the really uh, resilient uh, person that I am. And I think that that fueled me when I, I ultimately decided that I needed to uh, get sober. I think anytime you're given life experience that might not always be positive, I think it gives you the opportunity of insight. Yeah. And kind of like a view into what life is like for somebody who is currently struggling. Um, right. Just because it like isn't necessarily the prettiest picture doesn't mean it doesn't have pros with it as well. You had to have learned so many like coping skills, life mechanisms, things that's yeah. age, which in return benefits you right absolutely yeah and that and all of that culminated once i decided to go to pride because i was still a kid and i just i soaked it all up i love rehab <laughs> I, I you know 10 out of 10 recommend uh and <laughs> and uh so i do really well in a treatment setting i dive in i'm not afraid to dig in there and like find out what's going on what's the trouble um uh, but it, it doesn't make it any easier. And so all of those coping skills and all of skills in general, I started learning in recovery because I had nothing to go off of. Yeah. I had nothing to go off of. And um, every single time I've been the pride, I've gotten something amazing out of it. Uh, it's still haunting to go in that building because the walls whisper, you know, they're, there's you you have 40 people you're living with and you go to bed with them and you wake up with them in the morning and we're all going through so much um and uh that also taught me a lot about uh coping is just to, to realize that there are people there uh and that people do want to help and that it's okay to ask for help you know there's no shame in reaching out at all in fact i recommend it if you are going through a really really hard time Something I find um, admirable about you is that your mindset is so positive. I mean, you've been through all mm. these life experiences that have not always been the most positive, but you mm. yourself, you know, I love rehab. I love showing up and working on me and figuring out how I can be better. And I think a lot of people are unable to have that mindset, especially when mm. at the bottom or mm. at the, the height of their addiction, it's all dark and they can't see the right. way out. Um, how are you able to find that light? Uh, you know, I think a lot of that goes to just sort of surrendering the, to the process, uh, really just, uh, you know, so I'm a, I'm a 12 step guy and I, um, really look at that first step, you know, I admitted in its step one, I admit we were powerless and our lives have become unmanageable. I think people sort of look at that and just the idea of, addiction in general as something to be ashamed of and like something that, it, you know, like 
there is power in being powerless. It doesn't mean you're a powerless person. It means you're powerless over what nature has given to you. There's a science to all of this, you know? And so that's what you're powerless over. And that's what um, I, I, I just... I just dove in and I took a full advantage of the resources that pride, you know, gave me, um, you, you know, you got everything taken care of. Just take the time to focus on yourself, take, take full advantage of that time and really lean into the community aspect. I know it can be hard because there's trust issues. People die in this community, people leave and they don't come back. So it's hard to, lean into it, but they're there for you as you are there for them in that moment today and make it, make it count. So I went in, went in, I just, that's, that's my mindset. And, um, sometimes, uh, because I'm so willing, I end up digging up a lot of just really troubling things that I never knew about myself. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if that's the question. <laughs> no, you definitely did. And thank you for that. Uh, another thing I'm curious about is obviously you've um, dealt with a little bit of relapse. Um, how mm. do you deal with that when that pops up? I know like usually there's so much shame associated with that. How do you, mm -hmm. you know, take that experience and keep moving forward? It's a great question. Um, sometimes, uh, uh, like if you are in treatment or just like any tool that you have in your toolbox, you need to bring it out and use it. And you need to let your higher self be your guide. Uh, because with each relapse, it, it becomes less and less about, um, well, I can experiment as they say, it's literally for me, it's all about my mental health. If I'm feeling bad and I crack under the pressure, I need that reprieve. And I, and I know how to get that because that's what I've taught my, my brain to, reach for. And this, uh, I actually almost came up on a relapse not too long ago, maybe like two months ago, uh, where I had never tried psychedelics before in my life. And it, it is so tricky because it can just it, like, I never wanted to do psychedelics. And then some, something was just like, just gnawing curiosity. And it, it is true what they say that you're, you know, you're addict and alcohol like part of you does push-ups when you are just not and it'll get you and um and sometimes things are just shitty you know sometimes sometimes life is shitty in recovery but uh to make the choice to not use or not pick up or you know it's just uh, and also like like i keep going back to community um there's this kind of old saying that they say stick with the winners. And I tend to argue against that. Um, I think that implies that there are losers <laughs> in this. And I think uh, if you are, if you are wanting to relapse and you wake up sober the next day, if you go and reach out for help, you go to pride or go to any institution. If you choose to let your higher self be your guide in any way, you are a winner today. You know, that's a win. That's like such good advice. And I think that's like mm. the perfect place to stop. Thank you so much, Joey, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.